podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. No. Enemies close. Roger. Is there anything that Lionel Messi is better than you have? It's opinion. I respect your opinion. Maybe in your opinion, Messi is better than me. But in my mind, I'm better than him. I do it again. Yes, guys, I'm Sai. Welcome to Ace Podcast Nation, the home of Rodri Giggs on football, where we talk all things football for about 45 minutes to an hour. We get through as many stories as we can. But what I can say, without any hyperbole whatsoever, this is the most brutally honest football show that you will find anywhere. There's no agendas. There's no bullshit. We just give opinions based on outstanding technical Tactical knowledge is what it is. Now we uh, <laughs> we give we give opinions, but we don't give no bullshit. Uh, as always, check out the Sports Social Podcast Network, who uh, host our audio stuff. Check out uh, you know all all the different brands, ExpressVPN, people like that who support the channel, and uh, of course, make sure you got your tickets for the next Cardiff City Legends event, which is. Uh, Darren Purse on the 1st of December. Still a few tickets left, so get them in. Get it. Come and join us for an evening of frivolity. I also have at least one more announcement about live events coming into Christmas, maybe even two. So lots of stuff going on. Make sure you get involved. Make sure you say hello. Make sure you join us. I am delighted, thrilled, exhilarated to be joined by former Aberystwyth Town forward. He also played at Salford City, FC United, Mosley and other clubs. It is none other than Mr. Rodri Giggs. How are you, my friend? Yeah, I'm good, mate. Yeah. Excited. I saw, I, I just excited. I'm an excitable chap. You know me, mate. I'm always full of energy, always chirpy. And today is no different. Uh, no, I've had a, I've had an exciting couple of weeks. I've uh, been speaking to people, moving, shaking, doing a bit of this and a bit of that. Got some exciting things on the horizon. And as always, I can't keep them a secret, so I end up telling everyone before it's announced. But there we go. Um, how, how's your week been, mate? It's been good. Been uh, alright. Average. Average. Could be better. Could be worse. 
like your golf average? No, 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 no. no. <laughs> Nothing average about that golf, is there? Let's be honest. Exactly. Yeah, just walk up to a golf course now. I've not played for two weeks. Walk up to a golf course and shoot in the seventies easily. Come on. What's that on the on the pitch and put down Port of Kerry Park? Is it? Oh no no no! He's a proper <laughs> golf course, isn't he? No, I know. I'm. I am only teasing you. I know you're a you're a you're a golfer. That's uh, it's just the way it is. But you know, <laughs> if Jimmy Bullard wants to kick in, yeah. <laughs> Would you beat him? Oh, uh, yeah. Wipe, wipe the floor with him. Easily beat anyone. What about what about uh, who's, what's his face? Who's been doing those pro ams? Uh, Gareth Bale. Oh, yeah, I beat him as well. In my mind, I beat him. I'm not going to go into it, I'm going to lose. You know, obviously, you know, it might not work out that way, but, you know, I'm a free four handicapper, so I take my chances. Interesting, mate. Interesting. So you do a lot of charity football matches, don't you? Don't you do any charity golf matches, like, you know, playing uh, with the... uh, golf. Yeah, I do charity golf. I've done some golf last week, what, last year? What golf? Oh, this year as well, actually. Um... Was it last year? No, it was last year. No, it was this year. No, it was this year. I was at May, the Marriott. I've had a few nice golf days this year. Not a lot. You played at the, at the Celtic Manor? Yes, a long time ago, though. It was round near the Ryder Cup. What's that like to play at? It looks wicked. Like every yeah, time I drive past it. When, you, when you're up there and it's windy, it's, it's always tough. But yeah, it's good. Nice, mate. Um, so obviously it's international break, so we're going to fly through some stuff. One of the big stories in the last twenty-four hours: Manchester United chief executive Richard Arnold has left the football club. Looks like Jim Ratcliffe's twenty-five uh, percent purchase in United is going through, and they're making some moves. I was like I said to someone earlier, like Jim Ratcliffe's not going to come in, you know, whenever he comes in in the next week or two to take over the football side and then put the people in place that he wants. He's going to have been working on it for the last few weeks, months, and he's going to, you know, he's going to put people in place. I think um, the favourite for the chief executive job is Dave Brailsford, obviously from Sky Cycling and worked at Nice. Got a very big reputation in terms of improving sporting brands and on the field and off the field, or, or on the track and off the track. And um, and then what's the oh, I forgot his name? What's the guy? Uh, like the director of football guy who's coming, Mitchell. John Claude. Yeah, John Claude um, Blanc is there replacing. The Richard Arnold's left. Then you've got Myrtle. Not left. He's there to the end of the season. So you get transitional period. Ah, I see. So you've got Richard Arnold uh, leaving. You've got probably Myrtle leaving as well. Who'll be replaced by uh, John Claude Blanc. And then you've got um, that I've forgotten his name, Mitchell, uh, who's got an exceptional reputation as director of football and and that side of things to do the transfers. Like on paper, it looks like they're making intelligent moves and moves that are well overdue for a club the size of United. No, yes, yeah, well overdue. It's well overdue. We've been through this over and over again. You know, people say, yeah, but you spent money, yeah, but you spent money. These people have absolutely rinsed this club. I mean, rinsed it to, to where they can't rinse anything more. 
Now they, they can't rent it anymore, so the only way you can make money is by this or selling it. So, and this is the second best op option. They'll probably make five, six hundred million from it. Yeah. But let's remember they didn't buy it with their own money. No, I know. No. From banks. Crazy. And that was for about five hundred odd million. The debt is on six hundred odd million now, twenty years later. It's so, incredible, mate. And to the point where they changed the rules, so you're not allowed to do that anymore. Trading ground, twenty odd years old. It's just yeah. And this is, you know, there's clubs going past us here on on with the stadiums, with the the training grounds. So it's yeah. remarkable though, isn't it? The United, a club the size of United hasn't had a director of football for all this time. Like I think they're one of the only clubs in Europe which hasn't got a director of football or like an equivalent, like a sporting director. It or... worked so well for, for one of the from the one of the greats because it worked so well for him. Obviously they needed someone to come like... in for this the modern, the modern game to help him out. But you know the money's been there, but it's just a badly it's been shocking since since he left to be honest when it started when 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 you when you sign a player like Fellaini yeah it was you know well, going down the path so yeah. and i think that's a point which i made with um with ten hag the other week is yes he's had players come in but a lot of them weren't his first choice players and you look at when they signed Fellaini the Fabregas deal Fabregas thought he was going to united and then suddenly united ended up with Fellaini. So like, and that's almost like a, like a common theme that they'd, they, they'd have like this, you know, like a, a good target or a, a someone who's, you know, at the top of their game or has got the potential to go on and be a top player. And instead of signing that player, they would sign a cheaper alternative who then was not good enough. And I think that's happened over and over again. And that comes from the people who are that's not the manager. That is the the people who are running it off the field. That is your Richard Arnold, your Ed Woodwards, your your Murtars, your people like this. Which is why there there's been and they've needed a massive overhaul for a long time. And I think, look, don't get me wrong, Dave Brailsford, Sir Dave Brailsford, sorry, he doesn't come into a club like United without a plan to improve it. Mitchell will come in and overhaul the way they deal with transfers. He is like the most highly rated footballing director of football in in the world, if not certainly in Europe. So, you know, on paper, they look like good appointments. Whether that comes off and comes to fruition in in actual reality is probably another thing because you never know where United. But it's certainly, I think, a step in the right direction. I think you can't really say, yes, it's going to work until it works. But... Can't be any worse, mate. Really, can it? Like then no, off it, the it, field, it, I mean. It needs a shake. I mean, obviously, you know, he's not coming in just to be an investor. He's coming in to to take over the club eventually. So, is it going to be a power struggle? We're going to see it. I don't know. It seems to be going the right way at the minute. But you know, is the manager going to be want to change? Is he want to bring his new guy in after spending all this money that, that the players he wanted? So, um. We'll have to wait and see. But I don't think they'll do anything this season with the manager. They'll, they'll see it out. But we'll I think it, they'd be mad to get rid of the manager, mate. I honestly do. Because I, I, I think, no, like, I you look at his record and everything, and even last season, you could see what, you know, there was a plan. And 
I just think you, if they stick with him and back him, I think he will, particularly if he's got the right people above him off the field, you know, supporting him. I think he'll come, you know, he'll, he's the first manager they've had since Fergie that I look at. And I think, yeah, he could be there long term and do a job if he gets the right support, etc. But the other thing is that if you're Sir Jim Ratcliffe, can you name me another manager in Europe that you'd say, yes, I would take him over Ten Hag? Or even, like, maybe not one that you say, yes, you'd take him over Ten Hag, but but even just, like, would be maybe an improvement to outsiders? Because I can't think of one, really. Maybe Zidane at a push, but I don't... I don't yeah, know. I don't think Zidane could come into the Premier League now and into Man United and, and do, do much better. He doesn't know the league. He's a great manager, but you come into a, a Real Madrid side there full of stars. This is not full of stars. So, yeah, that would be a wrong move. Yeah, the only person that probably could come in and, and, and do a better job is Deservey, but he's still not proven. He's only been... Well, he's having a wobble, mate, already, isn't he? Like, yeah, so, so you'd just be gambling where, you know, you've got a proven winner there. Yeah. So, you just to stick with him until, until, um, until the end of the year, at least. Yeah, and I think like the thing which always frustrates me, as you know, I'm not a United fan. I talk about United a lot because I speak to you about it. But like the the thing which frustrates me is people will always go, "Oh, well, they've spent loads of money," but yeah, they have spent money. But it's not the Glazers who've spent money. They've literally rinsed the club dry to the point where the Premier League had to change the rules so it could never happen again. Like that's how bad the Glazers' model was. They've not spent any of their own money. They've just, even to buy the club. And I think anyone who's a football fan should not want that to happen to any club. And I've just seen in the comments, Reese has said, I've seen a, a Southampton, a, a South End fan who says, I think um, he was talking about their club is close to going bust, bust financial issues. But he said, all anyone cares about is United spending, even though they've blown hundreds of millions. And I, I can see why, you know, clubs who are struggling look at United from the outside and they just think, oh, well, you know, they've spent loads of money on players. But they also bring in a lot of money, United do, you know, in terms of what they, if they, if United weren't the brand and the and the size of a club that they are and had the success historically or recent historically that they've had, United would have gone bust by now under the Glazers. Their history and their brand worldwide is what's kept them afloat and enabled them to keep buying players. Yes, they've bought the wrong players. Yes, they've wasted money. But if they weren't as big as what they are, I think they would have gone, mate, you know, because yeah. the, the Glazers wouldn't save them. You know, do you know what I mean? Like, if the shit hit the fan, the Glazers ain't going to dig in their own pockets and dig United out. Hence yeah. why they're trying to get investment now. And look, I feel for any club, South End, you know, Burries and Scarboroughs of the world, who've gone bust or come close to getting bust over these years. It shouldn't happen to any football club, like professional football clubs. There's got to be better ways to protect from these owners because not everyone has the, the, I don't know, like the pillow that United had where they were able to bring in money to keep themselves going. Like not smaller clubs haven't got that. And the FA, the Premier League, they've got to do better at, at protecting football clubs from these owners who were just rinsing the club of money, rinsing the fans of money, and then, you know, going bust and 
it's the fans and the club which you've got to pick up the pieces. But I don't know what else you can do, though, to protect from it. You know, because they've got this fit and proper test. They've got these, like, you know, the ways that they're supposedly you could only be an owner if you pass these tests. But, I mean, look at those owners who took over at Everton. They were awful for very, very, you know, quick. And then they kind of seemed to switch owners. And I don't know, it's, it's a mess. Made that. So, on Everton, there was a, a, some posts and some some reports this week that they're going to get deducted 12 points this season because of financial fair play regulations being broken which is obviously that would put them I think it puts them on two points which is obviously a problem but I think there's enough of the season to go that they could may stay up although they flirted with relegation the last couple of seasons if they're getting a 12 point deduction mate what on earth is going to happen to Manchester City or what should happen, should it be? Because I don't watch, think it will. Chelsea. Yeah. Well, Chelsea's a weird one, isn't it? Because they... Well, no, it's not a weird one. They've been paying ages and not declaring it. Millions and millions of pounds. Yeah. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Old Ted, Ted 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 Bowley or Todd Bowley is. Uh... It wasn't before him. It was Roman Bramovich, so it's nothing to do with him. It was is in it? the Roman Bramovich area, so. Because I thought I thought it was you were referring to the fact how much they spent in the last. No, it's months. nothing to do with that. It's Roman Bramovich. I was listening to it on Talk Sport. The geezer was talking in detail where they, they found millions of pounds, at, at least seven million pounds, paid to Edin Hazard's agent that was not declared. So. That was, um, and then they go in to say that uh, you know he was, he was offered six million to Manchester United, and Manchester United wouldn't pay it. So then he went to Chelsea, and he was obviously the agent was given seven million. So then he signed for Chelsea. So if they haven't declared that, much, much, much others as well, because it was like from two thousand and five to for, for until a long time. So it's on for like so they, ten years. So surely they'll get a point deduction as well, wouldn't they? Well, you would think, but then you saw with Big City as well with 115 charges, but that's gone, gone quiet all of a sudden. There's a lot of lawyers involved, and you know these have got millions and billions of pounds, so they're going to go on every legal loophole and angle they can get to get out of it. So it's not going to be something that's going to be addressed overnight. You know, I've been I've been <coughs> waiting for a, a hacking claim that I've been dealing with for five years. It's still ongoing. We're speaking to the solicitor about it today. Some things just drag on and just to see to come to the end, but it will come to an end eventually. So mm. yeah, it's just, just waiting the process. And like <coughs> with the with the city thing, it's like they've got a bottomless pit of money. So you'd think that they could keep it in court for as long as they wanted, can't they? They could just drag it out and out and out. And like you say, you know, go for every legal loophole, every single thing. Um, I just think if I'm Everton and I get a 12-point deduction whilst Cities is still being investigated and still hasn't come to a close, I'm going to ask some questions at least. 
um, through the solicitors. And maybe that's how it all comes to a head. You know, we've been saying or speculating for years that the bubble's got to burst at some point. It can't just keep going up and up and up in terms of transfer fees and wages and the rest of it. Do you think this is the beginning of it all kind of coming crumbling down in terms of the fees? I mean, like, so the wages and the fees will sort of slowly start coming down now to a bit more realistic levels? Or do you think it just keeps going because of the Saudi League? No, it just keeps going. Because I guess while the Saudi League's still there, the Premier League clubs have got to keep paying the wages, haven't they? Yeah, it's going to keep going. Jesus, this is insane. So, and you've got, you know, the, the sports rights up at the end of the year. Who's that going to go to? You know, you got these big hitters now Netflix, Amazon, these big hitters who want it. So, you know, watch this space. Sky Sports going to have the dough to compete with these people. Mm. See, it'll be interesting what they do with football because I've always thought that there's a potential for like a Premier mm. League Netflix, if you get what I mean, like the Premier League having their own streaming service which just plays all the games and has you know all the historic games should do that but i think on a, on a on a saturday they should do what the nfl do on a sunday where it's nfl red zone when you know they have the games every single goal that goes in boom they go straight to it live and so you don't miss you don't miss a touchdown but in, in this instance it'd be a goal so every goal that comes out you see it live boom boom, boom. But I know it's a, little, it's a bit, it's probably that'll never happen. But, but yeah, I'm quite surprised it hasn't happened. happened because there's so much money involved now in these streaming services, you're going to have at some point where you can stream your team, but that's going to disadvantage some other teams because some, some teams are bigger than others. Yeah, that's, this is the thing, isn't it? But like, but that's what I mean. If there was like a, a general, like a Premier League streaming service, so, you know, everyone who watches Sky and, and whatever, BT, on a Saturday, Sunday, Monday, like, you've got a streaming service, which you pay, whatever, ten or a month, and you have all the games live. You have, you know, you can go back and look at season 1999 or whatever and watch the games. Like, I just think that most football fans would pay that. And I think, is that more financially beneficial to them in the long run than, like, a big, you know, like a three-year multi-million pound deal i don't know you know maybe that's why it hasn't happened because it, they make so much money from sky and bt and you know disown are going to come in there but There's so many platforms now that so the, the premier league are in a fortunate position where you know highest bidder they're all going to be adequate um streaming service or, or channels because these these are big boys the bit the, you know, the billion dollar companies or billion pound companies so uh, I'm sure it ends at the end of this year, Sky Sports. So we'll... it's interesting, isn't it? Because Sky for a few years was like the only one who was kind of into it. Then you had like Satanta Sports and BT. Then Amazon have started dipping their feet into it, and now DAZN want to get in on football. And you've got all these different platforms, like you say, which suddenly Sky haven't got as much of a stranglehold on it. So if Sky try and get like a cut price deal. They could end up with nothing. So it's, yeah, it'll be fascinating to see how it goes because I don't think Dizona are there for fun. You know, they will try and uh, they will try and get the big rights. You know, yeah, be interesting. Um, couple of comments. Um, Todd Bowley's in trouble uh, though because Abramovich has disclosed the information to him during the sale. 
um, and it was all in the accounts, then Bowley's people have should have done a financial check. Yeah, I mean, that's I suppose that's that'll what it might come down to is if Todd Bowley, well, knows, when, yeah, but yeah, it's difficult because this was a reporter that was went back to yeah. 2005, so it's it's difficult, difficult. Yeah, it's going to be a tricky one. Like realistically, mate, what do you, what would you be satisfied with in terms of if Man City get these charges proven and blah blah blah? Like, what do you think is a satisfactory punishment for Man City being realistic and and taking your red hat off? Like, what would you be ha- not happy with? But like consistency, whatever that uh, punishment has gone out before, if it's happened before. If not, then then set a precedent. Well, no, Juventus, Juventus got it can't be too pardon. Juventus got relegated, didn't they? Was that match? Yeah, no, yeah, no. I, don't, I, don't, I, don't, I think they were. weren't they bribing refs and stuff like that? Yeah, I think it was something like that. So I suppose that you know that is different. But then yeah, also, so I, I don't know, not not. not but you know, a, a point deduction, the fine's not going to touch the size. He's not, no, no. No, multi, multiple billions. So fine's not going to do it. Uh, you know, you could, you could deduct points from. So if you say with Everton, they must have, <clears> a, <throat> they must have some sort of formula for how they come to twelve points to deduct off Everton, right? So say it's I don't know, you've broken, I know, four rules. And it's what well, I don't understand. Three three points per rule break. If that means that you, if Man City have broken 115 rules, and it should be you know whatever, then surely it's, they've got to use that same formula to work out how many points Man City should be deducted. So, like for instance, uh, Luton had a 30 point deduction when they broke the rules. 30 points. I think so. I'm going to double check that. If someone said in the comments. But um yeah, match it was match fixing for 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 Juventus. But let me just look. What about Derby? Derby <laughs> had a point deduction, match didn't they? Paying over the odds yeah. Yeah, it's not the same. But relegation um, is a bit too harsh, even though I'd like to see him relegated. Um I, I suppose it depends, doesn't it? <laughs> and also, well, what right? So say say they got I don't know, say they broke an X amount of rules, right? And they go back historically. What happens with those seasons? Like, do you deduct the points from those seasons? So if they finish top and then they... No, no, I don't, I don't think you can do that because you jeopardise the brand of the Premier League. You know, people getting, losing titles and... Yeah, so it would have to be... All the titles, yeah. So I don't think you can do that. All you can do now is punish them in the present. Yeah. I don't think you can go back because, like I say, it can ruin the brand. Right. So, Luton were deducted 10 points by the FA for financial irregularities when dealing with agents, which was a few years back. They were then deducted a further 20, which was the most severe punishment ever handed out by the Football League because of a failure to secure uh, an insolvency agreement that satisfied HMRC. So, right, so, so, the, so the president's the 10 points there, isn't it? Yeah, but, um, i got to say... Um, the the punishment which Luton Town got was outrageous. Like it was well over the top for what they had done. Like and the, the, 20... the punishments can't they can't you know you Everton can't get twelve points and City get six. You've got to deal Absolutely with not. 
they were easily the, the same as well because one's bigger than the other. I, I or arguably some people would say Everton's a bigger club than City, but that's for another debate. But so, uh, so if if City got deducted thirty points, say just to, I'll just say they got thirty point deduction, that would only make them what mid table. Say if we base the fact they get around between ninety to a hundred points a season. Yeah, they could still win the league. I don't. I think it's unlikely they'd win the league, but it's not yeah, impossible. You, you say that they were ten, twelve points behind Arsenal at Christmas last year. Still won the league by a canter. Yeah, it's true, isn't it? Imagine that thirty-point deduction and still won the league. Jesus oh, thirty Christ. points. Yeah, yeah, that'd be a bit too. But what too I mean much. is, like thirty points wouldn't relegate them or anything like that, would it? it nah, would just... I don't think. They finish man. outside Europe and thirty points. No, I have to see. Fifteen points would be would be more of a president, not twelve. And then but you it, know people will be wary to do it again. Not twelve. Just throw fifteen at them, Bosch or twenty. Just a proper like let's set a president here. This ain't happening again. Well, they. I think they've got to set a precedent in one way because people. Are clearly not taking this financial fair play thing that seriously because there's teams getting fined and deducted points and, and whatever, like fairly regularly, we seem to be seeing some teams getting punished. So if Man City have indeed broken 115 rules or charges, then they sh- they've got to set a precedent because if they let City off with like a, f- a big fine, even if it was like a 50 million pound fine, it's nothing. Nothing to Man City, and it, and I think that's when you just it's just laughable, you know. And um, I think they've got to, if it's proven, they've got to really say no, you know, thirty points or or whatever amount of points, because otherwise, I think you you open the floodgates a little bit, and teams will just not take it seriously anymore. I don't think they should be relegated unless the only time I think it should result in relegation is if it's proven that they've actually cheated. So like in Juventus's case where they were paying off refs and stuff like that, or if they were like a Russian job where they were doping all their players, something like that, I think can result in yeah, you should. Right. No, yeah. but I just mean like that would be my personal yeah. Precedent for relegating a team would be cheating in a way that affects the outcome of a of a match or matches, rather than going over, you know, whatever budget's been set and paying agents and stuff. But I don't know, mate. It's I think that I think the city one's going to drag on forever. I do I think it will still be talking about it in five years' time. Um, the other thing I think is I think Everton will be in. Bit of trouble if they get 12 points deducted this season. Mm. Um, and when you think how and they've been pretty good lately, Everton have, but what are they on now? So they're on 14 points. So if they had a 12 point deduction now, bang, they'd be bottom of the league. And look, you know, they might they've their form's been better, but it hasn't been great. They've lost or they've dropped points in three of the last six. They've won three and drawn a couple, lost a couple. It's it, they'd be banging it again, and could they get out of 
relegation a third time in a row. Not many teams do it three seasons in a row. I don't see why they're doing a 12 point deduction now. City's been going on for ages. Why would Everton get done automatically? And maybe it's less, less, less complicated, and maybe that's the only thing I could think. But these the lawyers that's the one that drags it out, mate. It's not the complications. It's the lawyers looking in these loopholes and getting it adjourned and adjourned, and and, and you know, these are smart people. They know what to do. You're telling me that that Man City can afford better lawyers than Everton? Surely not. <laughs> lawyers, plural. Sad, though, isn't it? It should be just. I don't know. It's just. It just. I don't. I don't want football to be decided by lawyers. Like the same lawyers. Like the same law firm. Yeah, I suppose it could, could it? Yeah. it? I mean, hmm? interesting. Um, there was a comment I wanted to go to. I saw, which was interesting. I'm trying to find it now. Um, to do, to do. Did you see? Uh, John Obi McCall said his father was kidnapped, and Abramovich offered to make a call and send guys in. From the, from the KGB oh, yeah. to get his father out alive. To go in and get him. Crazy, man. Yeah, you don't want to um, mess with that, do you? A lot of Russians coming after you, yeah. It's the last thing you want. Yeah. Jesus. What was that random question, mate? What was the first football match you ever went to watch live? First football match I ever went to watch live? Would it have been a United match or...? No, it wasn't. It was. It would have been. It would have been an England schoolboys match, um, under fifteens or under sixteens schoolboy match, um, Brazil versus England. Mm. And I went with my dad and our kid to London. Interesting. We went to we went to London. Yeah, it's a funny story. This, this is my dad. Mm. We went to London. <coughs> To watch this game at Wembley, <clears throat> we had this pepped out Fiesta, Fiesta Popular, <clears throat> and we were driving down. And it kind of cuts out. We're getting up towards the M1, t- towards London, and it cuts out in the middle lane. Just stops, and anyway, pull over to the to the, uh, our shoulder. Anyway, it gets going again. So we get we get to Wembley, watch the game, under 16s game against uh, Brazil and England. Watching it on the way home, we're going home. Anyway, it's getting about half ten, eleven o'clock at night now, it's, it's, and and it's dark. Coming down the M1, and the car starts chuddering against that brakes. He comes off the slip road, and as we get to the top of the slip road, it breaks down. <laughs> so it's we're like sat in the back of the car, and then oh, you, this taxi driver pulls up, uh, and we get the dad gets out speaking to him. So my dad says, "Oh, we're, we're gonna we're gonna follow this guy. This guy's gonna you know put us up for the night." So anyway, we end up staying with this guy. This guy puts it in one of his houses. No one lived there. It's just an house, and we end up staying. It's freezing. That's fire. Remember the old houses? You had fires in the bedroom. Yeah. But it's overlooking Kenilworth Road, Luton. Yeah. The house we could actually see Luton's ground. You can from the bedroom. You could see it was overlooking the ground. Wow. And it gets up in the morning, and the guy. The guy takes us to a mate of his or whoever it was. His garage. So he takes it to the to car, the car, and it gets fixed. He says, go and take it for a test drive. So he, so my dad goes around the block, test, gets in, takes it, takes it for a test drive, gets, comes around the block and comes up, up to us and just shouts us, quick, get in, get in, get in. So me and I could jump in quick. I says, what was all that about as he drove off? He said, oh, I didn't want it to break down and blah, 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 blah. So anyway, the story is he only had 12 quid and the, the thing was about 25 quid to fix. 
Mm. So he was telling us to rush on because he was getting in and he didn't want to pay him. So he just got off about paying. <laughs> him. I put him up overnight, sorted his car out, and he didn't pay him. He just got off because he only had 12. He said, How are we going to get home? That was for petrol. I said, Well, couldn't you have spoke to him and said, Listen, we haven't got the money. But with a, he said, Oh, yeah. I'll send it to you or something. Yeah, but no, he just he told us that. But I got <laughs> out about three or four years ago. He didn't pay him. But he always told us, Oh, I sent him money. I sent him money. And we was like, Yeah, all right. But he know he didn't. He just got <laughs> in the car and he just drove off. Got out of there as quick as possible. So the guy put him up, saved him from sleeping in his car all night, took him to two, a house. Two kids on a motorway. Two kids, got him up in the morning, fixed his car for him, and he drove off without paying. So, that was, that was the dad, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, I was funny yeah, enough, I... The car, like, what, what's going on here? You did just remind me of something I was going to ask you. Um, so, obviously, your brother played for England schoolboys, didn't he? Like, up yeah. through the ages. But you and your brother count yourself as Welsh, didn't you? Yeah, because you, 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 if you go into an English school, you play for English schoolboys. It doesn't yeah. matter Scottish, Welsh, English. If you're going to an English school, hence mm. England schoolboys. So, you went to That's an English good. school. So it wasn't like the England, you know, under twenty, like under eighteens or whatever. It was England no. English schools. No. Yeah, like, English schoolboys. So yeah, from school. Yeah, it's different then, isn't it? If you went but, to English school, you played for English schoolboys, even if you're Welsh, yeah. Irish, Irish. So did he play for like the Welsh national team in terms of like through the different age groups, or was it did they only play schoolboy football then? You've got to understand that he played for he played for United's first team at seventeen. So yeah, I suppose yeah. He was playing for Wales national team. At, Pretty much eighteen, wasn't it? Yeah, at seventeen. So I think he might have played an under twenty-one game. But yeah, because he scored a free kick on his debut, didn't he? Under eighteen game or anything like that. I'm not sure though. He could could have. I don't remember. I think he might have played an under-21 game, but they were just to get fit or whatever. But no, because he was, yeah, training with United first team at 16, 17, 18. So then playing, obviously, in the first team at 17. Because mm. I know he made his debut for Wales, like the first team, when he was 18. Because he scored a free kick, didn't he, on his debut? Yeah. Did you watch? Were you there? Probably. I went to all the games early on, yeah. That must have been, like, quite a... You know, it was good because it was the old house park as well. Oh, yeah, of course it was. Uh, that must have been one of the... There can't have been that many games after that. No, the no, yeah. Park. It was, it was, uh, there wasn't, but yeah, it was at the house park. That the was the ground and a half, mate, that was. Ground mm -hmm. and a half, that was. Uh, do you know, what's your favourite ground house which you've been to or played at, apart from Old Trafford? Like, what's your favourite ground, do you think? Well, I've been to. Or play that, whatever. Like play that. Um, yeah, play that. Um, Old Trafford. Play Old Trafford. What about to watch it? Like watching other oh, than Old Trafford. Probably the San Siro. Oof, that's a oh, oh, San Siro or New Camp. Santiago Bernabal. Tell you what, the Delhi Alpi was good at, at the old Juventus ground, but they were big, like. But no, for for for. The noise, yeah, at that um, Real Madrid and Inter Milan. I mean, AC Milan. It was Inter Milan actually when I went, yeah, because Ronaldo was playing. 
Fat Ronaldo, uh, uh, Baggio. And it was, there was a good team then, and obviously we beat them there at Inter Milan, but the noise. But the ground as you're walking up, it has these spirals in the, the corner. Make sure they simply knocking it down soon as well. Yeah, they're, aren't they redoing it? They're, um... yeah, it just, just looks like a massive, massive, massive spaceship as you're walking up at night. Because it has these spiral things in the corners. And it just, yeah, it's just... just it's just impressive, ground. like... Yes, yeah, it's a great ground. But same with uh, the Bernabal. Remember, me and my mate sat outside waiting to go in. We just sat in like a little park. And we were just sat on the park bench looking up, thinking, can you believe we're here outside the Bernabal? We was about 18, 19. I can't remember how old we were. We only young. And I'm like, can you believe we're here outside the Bernabal? Because it, it just looked massive. Incredible, mate. There's some incredible grounds around, and they're like, when you but a lot of them get getting like knocked down and that now and they like which is a shame but yeah new camp was um was one you'll never forget because i told i've said this before there was at least 100 115 120,000 people in that ground that night easily because there's so many fake tickets going about so many and there's so yeah. many people that, that were jibbing in I mean, the jibbers of jibbers from Manchester were all there, and they all got in. There was there was loads, and trust me, there was a lot in Manchester. But there was a lot of fake tickets going about at them times because of the rush. They weren't scanning them properly; they were just sit looking at them and going, "Go on," because yeah, they're yeah. so busy and they're so high up. It was so hot, so it's going, "Yeah, yeah." Just trying yeah. to get people in, yeah. yeah. But yeah, and of course, you didn't have things like QR codes and stuff like that now, like. You just did it was just a paper ticket and yeah, it was a paper ticket, yeah. What um Reese just says, so just just to confirm, he says uh if Wales play England, you're supporting Wales. I'm not English, I'm Welsh. You love it. He loves it, he loves it, but um Reese knows it. Reese knows I've got a tattoo on my arm saying come in. I'm there, come in. That's image. No, I not, um did you ever have, you don't have like any bulldogs or shit like that? <laughs> I have one tattoo on my arm and it's a Welsh one. <clears throat> Jack and you'll end up having uh, any more tattoos, mate? Yes, yes, date of birth to my kids. It's, it's in the pipeline. I probably I'll, I'll probably have like a two pack one as well, but I don't know which one. Yeah, there's some two, quite cool two, two, two pack ones. Tupac Shakur. Um, so Scotland drew last night with uh, Georgia to all, but apparently it all kicked off. And um, so I think Scotland equalised in like the last couple of minutes of injury time or something. But I saw, um, oh, my screen's frozen, which is handy. I saw that uh, Scott McTominay labelled Georgia an absolute disgrace. Um, but I can't, my screen's frozen, so I can't look at it. You've got it scored again, um, he can't stop scoring, can he? Old Scotty. That's why he's starting for United at the moment. I think I'm convinced of it because I don't think he offers a great deal. No, no. In the build-up and and things like that, I think he's literally just in there because he is just in a bit of form where he's just scoring goals. Sometimes you need that that bit of luck, that bit of uh, just that knack of scoring goals, isn't it? Yeah. 
Ah, oh, that was what I was going to say. So they reckon um, Haaland is going to be the quickest player to score 50 Premier League goals, or he is, either is, or he's going to be 50, uh, quickest player to score 50 Premier League goals. Do you know who he beats, who he will beat, or if he has beaten it? Do you know who it is? Andrew Cole. Andrew Cole. Do you know, he gets criminally underrated for what he did in the Premier League. Like, when you hear people like the BBC and TalkSport and this and that and the other, and Sky, and they're talking about the great strikers of the Premier League, they'll say Henri and Shearer. You never hear Andrew Cole mentioned. And I think it's it's quite shocking, mate. And uh, even Andrew, Dwight York. Andrew Cole, Les Ferdinand. There's a, there's a few out there. Kevin Phillips, uh, Ian Wright. There's a few. Do, Dwight York, mate, right? Dwight York in the yeah, 99 season. Got, he's English ones now, but Andy Cole no. got them the 50, 50 with Newcastle. He didn't get him United. And Newcastle no, no. set up for Andy Cole because Beardsley, just behind him, playing as a 10, was just feeding him for fun. And, and they, they, they scored a lot of goals the first season. I remember when they scored a lot of goals in the Championship and they, can they do that in the Premier League? And they did. And obviously that's when uh, United bought him and Keith Gillespie went the other way. Crazy, mate. Uh, have you ever seen Dwight York's stats for the travel winning season? Oh, he's unbelievable. The amount of calls were unbelievable. The, the goals that they scored, they were frightening me. Uh, Dwight York was a very, very, very good player. He was so strong, could hold up the ball. He wasn't slow. Plus, he was cool under pressure, would finish, take penalties, very good at heading the ball as well. But his hold-up play was very underrated. He was very, 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 very good. So he's an all-round number. He scored loads. He was like an in-between, like number nine, number ten. He was in-between. And he scored loads against... um... Uh, sorry, for Villa as well. Before he went to United, yeah. he scored a lot oh, of no, Premier League goals. That's why United bought him, mate, because he was scoring, because he could score goals. He was out of the blue as well, like 12.9 million at the time was a lot of money. We already had Andy Cole, uh, Sheringham and Solskjaer. So, that's what I mean. But that force. In them days, you played partnerships. So, in them days, you wouldn't have four strikers like that at the club. just wouldn't happen. None of them Dwight York in the 99-99 in the treble winning season in all competitions scored 32 goals. Yeah. Uh, sorry, 29 goals in all competitions. But he also got I mean I'm trying to find yeah, he got a ridiculous amount of assists. Yeah, I'm just no. trying to find them now. I'm sure I read somewhere that it was like something like 30 odd assists. Yeah, it would have been the same with assists as well. Absolutely. So that's sixty goals that he had, like goal involvement in, which everyone loves to say now, which is absolutely insane. And then you got the other spot, his partner scoring twenty twenty five goals as well, and that's that's a mediocre season for him. But then he's got he he changed his games from just a striker to can drop deep and get hold of the ball and, and, and link up play because Andy Cole wasn't as good, wasn't that good, wasn't as good as he was. When he worked, he worked on it and worked on it. You could see him visually getting better and better. And I always become a better player because he could drop deep, get involved and keep the play going where when he first came, he was just on on the soldier number nine. So, right, Dwight York in the treble, won the treble, had probably like 60-odd goal involvements that season. 
Who do you think won the Ballon d'Or in 98-99? Oh, there's been one someone from Juventus, like Zidane or... I don't know, Zidane or Ronaldo, or, I don't know. But don't you think it's outrageous that that's like that season? Do you United understand United 1998, France were the team. Who went, yeah, team. France won the World, World Cup, Cup in 1998. They were a top side, so they were the team. So the, the top top 10 was Rivaldo won it from Rivaldo Brazil, then. which I think is, yeah. I don't think. Mate, he was That's brilliant. Right. Though. At that time, he was playing for Barcelona. When we, when we played against him, we we, uh, we drew three all the back in the new camp. He scored three. Overhead kick. Really good player. Right, yeah. He was on fire around them times. But I don't know if you remember because you would have been young. Around them times, how old you would have been? I was old enough oh. to drink, mate. I was the 99. I was the 99. <laughs> yeah, so, so and you, you must remember how good Ronaldo was because he was good. Come on. Yeah, he Rivaldo, was good. Ronaldo and who was the other Ronaldinho? Ronaldinho, wasn't it? The three of them yeah. they used to just. Right, it they... was appearing like two or three years. He was he was really 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 good. So Dwight York doesn't even get in the top ten of the Ballon d'Or that year. He finished, he got eleven. <laughs> Dwight York was eleven. Yapstam was twelve in the Ballon d'Or list. So it was Rivaldo, Beckham, Shevchenko, Batistuta, Figo, Roy Keane. Uh, Vieri, Veron, Raul, and Lofar Mateus. That is one hell of a list, isn't it? Like when yeah. you look, they're they're like true greats of the game, all of them really. Um, which is quite mad, isn't it? Like when you and when you look at it, like Schmeichel was seventeenth, Nedved was like fifteenth, um, and then when you go right down to the bottom in the twenty joint twenty sixth in the Ballon d'Or list was Andrew Cole. Edgar David, David Ginola, Claudio Lopez, Roberto Carlos, and Marcello Salas. They were bottom of it. Like, that's an incredible list. Incredible list of players. When they say today, when they say today football is better, and there's better footballers. Yeah. I disagree. Bullshit. I do, too. Your brother was 21st. Joint with Mario He was Barclay. injured a lot that season, to be honest. Was he ever? Yes, what was he? That? Yes, he played a bit, but we you know went before the Arsenal game when he got, got the the goal against Arsenal. He'd been out for for, for a month or six weeks with an hamstring injury, so he was just coming back from that. That's why he wasn't playing. Where was the highest he ever finished on that list? Do you reckon? Do you know? Well, he must have finished like in the top sort of fifteen at some point. Must have. It was. It was earlier on. When all the Italian teams were after him, mm. you know, like 90, 93, 94, 95, 96. Yeah, I'm just looking now. I can't see. It looks like he finished like 20th a couple of times. Doesn't look like I might be wrong because I'm literally just having a quick look, but I can't see like a, a, a point where he was sort of in the top 10, which is kind of interesting because. You know, he was high, like not just regarding the Premier League, he was regarded highly by everywhere, wasn't he? Like, it, like you say, all the Italian clubs were after him. Was he ever close to leaving United at any point? No. Not even no. like a, not even like a conversation or nothing. There was nothing remotely close. Maybe. I can't remember when it, when it would have been, but if he would have gone, he would have been in, involved probably the best team 
that we've ever seen. Because the word says, if things broke down, he would have got Barcelona. This mad. Can you imagine? Be yeah. Uh... But he never got to that. I think he was. It was. Yeah. Back into a certain state because he was holding out. Um. I said, well, what are you gonna do if or Barcelona? But it was like, yeah, but no, it never mm. come that close. No. But he wouldn't have been Barcelona. It would have been with that team because he obviously didn't retire till when two thousand. 13, 14, 14. Yeah. <clears throat> I am, um, I always... Like 2005, I don't, know, I don't know when it would have been, but it would have been Barcelona if it would have been there for like, in, in, in that climate, the way they play football, it'd have been suited for him. Yeah, he'd have been in that prime Barcelona team, wouldn't he? Oh, yeah. Um, I do find it interesting, like a couple of people saying in the comments there, like football was better when we were younger. I agree with that. Like, I really do. And like, VAR VAR is ruining it for me at the moment. I got to say, like... Listen, the fitness is better. The the, the pitches are better. But, you know, is the football... Football better? Yes, probably the football's better. But that's because it's played a different way. Now it was more... No, 4-4-2. It was set for defensively. You had to break it down. But... And, but then again, you'd have two, two up front. But it was you know, now it's a bit more attacking. You see more goals. This is why yeah. some of these play, United players wouldn't have played where they, they, they would have played. Like, it wouldn't have been a winger. They'd have been a, a, like a striker come forward. Yeah. David Beckham yeah. would have been a winger. They'd have been in, in, in the midfield three because of his passing ability. Yeah. So. Yeah, a lot of players would have had different... They'd have played different roles, wouldn't they? You couldn't have had... You wouldn't have bought Dwight York. You wouldn't have bought Teddy Sheringham. You wouldn't have bought Berbatov. You wouldn't have bought any of these players. It's weird, isn't it? And even like, um, like, uh, you know, like a Roy Keane probably would have been like a holding midfielder, maybe. You know, there's all these different... Because the well, way he would have he could have played in the three, wouldn't he? The box to box, so it, it was only later on in his career that he slowed down yeah. a bit. But like, what I mean is, like, because of the way football's played now, and there's you have the pivot and stuff, where you have the yeah, two. I disagree, because uh, Roy Keane was a you know in the box score goals when he first come. Yeah, he was so he was my favourite player when I was. Dynamic, you know, it was always, yes, he was a box to box, but he was a goal scoring midfielder when he came to us. He was, um, he was the king of arriving at the right time, like arriving late. Yeah, he was like a like a front Lampard. Yeah, I always remember when my old man used to, when I dropped back into midfield, my old man would always be trying to coach me and like how to or when to arrive like late for the crosses, don't be there waiting for it, like arrive onto it. And he always used to use Keane as a an example of like just timing it to perfection, you know. And uh, yeah, he, I think he's massively overrated. But then I think like people like Gary Neville really underplay how good they were. Like Gary Neville underplay, he makes it seem like he was a pub player. Mm. And Gary Neville does like when you hear him speaking about his career on Sky and that, he very under like he really underplays just how good he was. And I think, look, I know never was small, fat, but yet the best right back for a few years. So 
you know, people like that. Yeah, you've got a, you've got a, <clears throat> what's the word? You've got respect yeah. uh, for the work they put in because he was small, fat, but basically centre half, but that didn't work out because he was small. Wasn't the quickest, but still very good football brain. So hard working, dedicated, did all the right things. And, and went on to be one of the best right backs in the world. So you've got respect him. If um just just a random one to finish. If you were if you had to pick your uh you had to pick one player to play in like a number 10 role, would you pick Kevin De Bruyne, Paul Scholes, or Del Piero? Paul Scholes. Interesting. I like it. Would you pick CR7 or the OG Ronaldo? <laughs> is, that, is that a trick question, that? People, people got a short memory, haven't they? they got recency bias, big time. Yeah. Uh, Ronaldo, all day. Ronaldo all day, every day, and twice on Sunday. Is there any striker you would take above him? No. You think he's the greatest striker of all time, then? Yes. I'm trying to think of a striker now who I think would be up there. One of the best finishers I ever seen is Van Nistelrooy. I think yes, where he, yeah, 100%. he was, he was one of those strikers where when he was one on one with a keeper, yeah, he never just never thought he was going to miss. Yeah. But then equally at the other end of the pitch, I always felt like when Peter Schmeichel was one on one when I used to watch him as a kid, when he was one on one with a striker, I expected him to save it. Yeah, so. Like there's these great players, and this is why I like I look back, and maybe it's because I was young and I was a kid and like younger, but I look back on that like time of football. It was so enjoyable. The players were just incredible. And like when I used to watch the Champions League on like a Tuesday or a Wednesday on ITV, like it was like a big deal, you know, to watch like Juventus or Barcelona or Real Madrid, like, and they had all these like world superstars. But it was like a treat and it was like incredible. And I just think the Champions League has been watered down so much now. I understand why. And I, and I, in some ways, I agree with it because I like, you know, you should have the Champions of Denmark and the Champions of this and that. But also, when it was literally just the champions of each league, the level was so good. The, the, the players in all the teams were just incredible. And I think that's been lost a little bit over the years. Yeah, no, totally, totally agree. Totally enjoyed the football and watching the games much better, but it was a lot more physical in, back in them days. No, yeah. it's a bit softer now these days, but yeah. Last question, and then we'll finish. Do you think, did you prefer it when it was the Champions League or the European Cup, which was literally the champions? of each league and then you add the UEFA Cup and the Cup Winners Cup for the teams which didn't, you know, second, third, fourth, whatever. Or do you prefer it now where you have like top four, so there's four teams vying for the Champions League's places and and then you've got the Europa League and the Euro, you know, the Europa Yeah, it does make, yeah I do prefer this, this Champions League. It's been going a long time now, so it's, okay. um, yeah, it works. So, you know, obviously the best team you do sometimes get the odd like Porto 
but it's very, very rare. You know, usually the best team in Europe wins the cup. Yeah, for sure, mate. Um, so we've got uh, big UFC on the weekend, mate. What did you make of Tom Aspinall's performance? Yeah, very good. Very good. Very, very quick, clean. And, yeah, moves on to, uh, obviously, not going to find John Jones yet because he's, he's just a surgeon, a shoulder or something. So, yeah, big, big win. Uh, you know, just like 10 miles down the road, we go five miles down the road. So, mm. yeah, great win. And, uh you know, he's on for special things. He's only young. So, yeah, he's a young lad, isn't he? And I think I'd be really gutted if he doesn't end up fighting John Jones, you know, because John Jones is at the end of his career and he's got this injury and he's not, he's, he's <clears throat> for whatever reason, doesn't always seem to be fighting regularly. And um, I would like to see Tom Aspinall versus John Jones, like while John Jones is still good. You know, yeah. yeah. Um, this Saturday we got Brendan Allen versus Paul Craig. Oh, that'll be another another British fighter. So, looking forward to that on Saturday. Um, we'll see how that goes. Um, mate, as always, it's a pleasure. Oh, Reese just said that next year the Champions League has no longer got the group stage, and it's just one big table. And he said it looks disgusting. Um, I haven't read about that, so I couldn't comment. I hope that's not the case because that'll be minging. Well, you just play whoever. Um, yeah, so it'll be like one, instead of having all the different groups, it'll be like one table and then top, the top 10. Top 10 or top six. Yeah, but who do you determine who you play, though? Just play whoever. I suppose you play everyone once or twice and then. Everyone once? How many people in Well, this is, this is what I don't get. I'll have to have a. I'll do some research into that and we'll talk about it. Yeah, next, that's, next that's, week. Not, that's not going to work. You're going to have certain amount of teams that you play home and away. In like a group stage, no? Yeah, I'm just going to have a look now. I don't know that's going to work. Yeah, I'm, what am I doing, mate? I'll I know I a... got 96 points on the FPL this year, this week and you got 50. Oh, 50 what, I, what I did say with the chat with the fantasy football is I said I'll find my login details and I'll do it properly next next week because I haven't done it. I haven't done it since the start of the season. So um, I need to do it. Did you say I'll have loads of like transfers as well that I can use, is it? Yeah, yeah. Right. So I'll let I may sort my fantasy league team out. I obviously I won the prediction thing because you know, obviously. But I think you've just given up on that now, haven't you? No, no, no. you about being smashed you last week by nine eight, nine points. Mm, you like two points behind you. What are you on about? I won by two points on Saturday. Oh right. okay, you're four points in front of me. Great. Well done. Four points not, is enough. Not forty points. Four oh, points is like enough. 60 70 points after just like a month, yeah. But I could make oh, that up quite yeah. easily. Make that what? up easy, you know. What make that up easy in the fantasy what? league? Just need to sort, yeah. I just need to log in and do it properly, yeah. All right, great, yeah. Just excuses, whatever. Don't do excuses, me. I'll, uh, right, nice one, mate. As always, a pleasure. All right, but see you. Podcast Network.